Welcome to EMG Transformations with Dan Stoll. Each episode will empower you to ignite your inner fire and provide methods to maximize your mental and physical performance. You never know how one valuable insight can make such a big impact. Please leave a five-star review if this episode leaves a positive impact on you. And don't be shy to screenshot and share episodes on social media that you find helpful so we can spread the message and make the world a better place. You never know who may need to hear and the impact it has on them too. We're only scratching the surface. There's so much more to learn. Subscribe and stick around to manage stress, improve your health, and create lasting lifestyle changes. Buckle up and get ready to spark your transformation with Nova Fusion. Welcome to EMG Transformations. I'm honored to introduce a luminary of literature, Nick Hutchinson. Nick is the mastermind behind BookThinkers, which is a marketing agency that effortlessly bridges the worlds between authors and readers. His podcast, also known as BookThinkers, is a global 2% show that features captivating interviews with world-class authors such as Grant Cardone, Lewis Howes, and Alex Harmozy. Nick's impact knows no bounds as he's helped hundreds of authors expand their reach to hundreds of millions of readers and achieve remarkable financial success through their book campaigns. Simply put, if you're an author looking to promote your book, Nick is your guy. Thanks for joining us today, man. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. I feel like we are cut from the same cloth. We just want to positively impact the world. And so excited to jump into my world, the world of books and personal development books and how we can leverage them to get more out of our lives. So yeah, excited to jump in. Yeah, I'm really excited as well because books are what put me down this path of personal development and improving my life and you know, getting out of those tough times when I was in those trenches. And it really showed me that there's another way. So I think that you've kind of had a similar way. So I'd love to just like kick in with your backstory and get things started here. So, you know, I'm interested to hear more about those experiences and struggles that shaped you into who you are today. Sure. Well, growing up, I was not much of a reader, which would surprise anybody watching the video version of this. I have like a thousand books behind me. But growing up, I was more of the athlete, less of the academic. So I played football. I was captain of the wrestling team. And although I didn't play sports in college, I was in the gym, uh, played a lot of rec basketball. So I didn't pay much attention to the classroom. But that all changed going into my senior year. I went to the University of New Hampshire. I took an internship at a local software company. And right when I started that internship, my boss at the time, Kyle, he introduced me to the world of personal development podcasting. So I had about an hour commute each way. And I remember him saying something like, listen, Nick, listening to the same playlist, the same music for the 1000th time on your way here is not going to get you closer to where you want to be, but the right podcast might. And I was like, well, that's interesting. Let me dive into these shows and see what he's talking about. So like I said, I had about an hour commute each way and I started to crush these business podcasts and I started to listen to interviews where a host like you would interview successful people and they would talk about what they did to become successful. And I noticed that 
the vast majority of them, they were giving at least some credit for their success to the books that they were reading. So I just kind of had this moment where I was like, if I deliberately choose not to read these books, then I'm deliberately choosing to live under my potential and nobody wants to live under their potential. So I started to read and uh, these books helped me solve almost every single issue that I had in my life within the first couple of months. I was this cocky 20, 20, 21-year-old kid who had developed a little bit of ego because of sports. That ego would represent itself at the expense of the people that I was around. And I, frankly, I wasn't a lot of fun to be around. Um, so the books helped me start to work on that. I read books on narcissism, on ego. And then on the other side of the spectrum, I had developed a lot of insecurities around my ability to communicate. I had a lot of fear, social anxiety. And so... I started to read about that and I started to develop confidence and overcome those things too. So these books, I mean, I literally owe everything I have today, which is a successful business, a successful relationship, a healthy body, a great mindset. I owe all of it to these books, man. And uh, yeah, that's my message for everybody today is like the right book at the right time can change your life. And it's happened in my life dozens of times. Yeah, that is so true, man. He dropped so many nuggets right there and so many things that are so relatable. Like we've all been in those similar situations where we don't know where to turn, but then maybe we pick up a book or we hear a quote or listen to a podcast and that can change the whole direction of our life, which is, you know, really transformative. So I'm actually curious, like, was there like a specific book that you read early on that really like changed the direction for you? Yeah, the very first book that I read was Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And I'm so happy that I decided to read that book first. I mean, number one, going from a non-reader to a reader, I needed something that was digestible. And that's a very easy book to read. It was also layered with aha moment after aha moment. And I'll give an example. Right in the front of the book, he says to the reader that money is a subject that is very important. We don't have to be focused on like we don't have to be focused on using money in a bad way. We we can use money for good, for food, water, shelter, the basics. Like money money should not be demonized, money should be sought after. And if you have more money, you can even give more. And he says the subject of money is not typically taught in school, which means we're not all on an even playing field. The subject of money is taught at home. And so if you grow up in a poor or middle class family, you will learn poor or middle-class money habits. And the only way to break that cycle is by reading books written by rich people like Robert Kiyosaki. And I was a business student that didn't know anything about money. So every time that subject got brought up at school, I had a little bit of insecurity. I'd shy away. Well, after reading a handful of books on money, I started leading those discussions and I was like, well, where else in my life can I apply this magic of reading to where I can remove insecurities and create confidence in the same act? And uh, so, yeah, Rich Dad, Poor Dad was the first book for me. What about you? Mine was uh, Own the Day, Own Your Life by Aubrey Marcus. That was just That's a great book. Yeah, really transformative. And it gave me like all these steps that I could immediately apply from day one. So like starting the morning, right, then lunch, exercising, getting your sunlight, all these things that just stacked up. And I was like, wow, like, I am applying this and I'm seeing results. And that's what got me to like, what other books are out there? What else can I get my hands on and like, just get ahead in life. So that that really threw me down the path. Because similar to you, like in school, like, I was not a reader, I was the kid that 
you know, Googled those summaries for right before the test. And I would just like get all the answers and not read a single page. So the fact that I have like, you can't see it, but I got a little library behind me, not as uh, expansive as yours, but you know, that's the process. It's like, we're all just figuring things out, learning from others. And, you know, with the theme of this podcast, that's actually like, it, it comes full circle with experiences plus mindset equals growth, because I learned that from my story. But then I was like, wait a minute, I can learn from others experiences, see what shifted their mindset and led to their growth. And I can apply those same tools that they learned on their journey. And that that's just been life changing for me as well. Yeah, you'll have to add my upcoming book, Rise of the Reader to your bookshelves. And when I was thinking, I didn't actually include this in the book, but it aligns with the name of your show. When I was thinking of my title, Rise of the Reader, I was thinking, how can I create an acronym out of the word rise? So again, I didn't do this, but I was thinking read, implement, shift your perspective, and then expand, like grow. Mm. So yeah, very similar to uh, to the name of your show too. Yeah, no, I love that. That's that's so good. That's something that I'm actually going to like write down and like keep after this. <laughs> Um, but yeah, talking about your book now, Rise of the Reader, uh, that's coming out on November 1st. I'm actually planning on launching this November 2nd. So we'll we'll get Perfect. that out there right away. And, you know, congratulations on that as well, because that's a massive milestone. And I'd love to know, like, what's the main message that you want readers to walk away with after reading your book? Sure. So I'll position it uh, by telling the backstory real quick, and then I'll go into the main message. So over the years of building this community, BookThinkers, which now has about 150,000 followers on Instagram, it does about a million impressions a month organically. Over the process of building that community, literally hundreds, maybe a thousand people have reached out to me asking very similar questions. Hey, Nick, I appreciate the book recommendations, but how do I get more from the books I'm reading? How do I take better notes? How do I implement, turn information into action? How do I choose the right book? And so I decided, you know, I was answering everybody, but I felt like I was underserving them. So I decided to write a book that had everything that I know about reading and implementing books. And at first it was actually pretty difficult because I had never taken the time to articulate my own process to actually define the frameworks and the strategies that I use. So I had to start by like observing my own behavior from a third party perspective yeah. and then trying my best to detail what was happening and model my own behavior. And it took me about three years to write the book. So what is the book? Rise of the Reader, Strategies for Mastering Your Reading Habits and Applying What You Learn. Just like you, Dan, there are so many people, I'm one of them, who love to read these books. But unfortunately, nobody teaches us how to get the most out of them. How do you take the information you're learning and guarantee that it's going to change your life? Because Rich Dad, Poor Dad has sold 35 million copies. And I actually thanked, so behind the scenes, it was actually written by a woman named Sharon Lecter. And at one time I was talking to Sharon and I was like, hey, Sharon, thank you so much for writing that book. It changed my life. And she's like, don't thank me, pat yourself on the back. She's like, it sold 35 million copies. What percentage of those people actually took action on what they've read? Probably 1%, 2%. And same with Aubrey Marcus's book own the day, own your life. Like what percentage of people used that book to change their life? Not many. And so it's only by taking action on what we learn 
that our lives change. So yeah, my book details everything that I've learned from choosing the right books to scheduling reading time, taking effective notes, how to read faster and more efficiently. And then on the back end, how do you retain what you've read? How do you implement what you've read, create accountability, build activity trackers? Uh, and then I've actually shared over a hundred healthy, wealthy, and happy habits that I've learned from the 500 plus books that I've read so that people can see what it looks like to actually implement these books. And I actually give a couple of examples from Aubrey's book as well, which is funny. Yeah, that's awesome. The the cross, uh, the cross is already happening. <laughs> so that's, yes. that's amazing. Um, so that, yeah, I'm curious, like, I already asked about the book that made the massive impact, but do you have any, like now that you've read like 500 plus books, do you have like three to five that you would like recommend to anyone to read, which is a really hard question to ask? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I do. Uh, for anybody that's interested in getting more out of their life, living more, experiencing more, I recommend The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. It's one of my favorite books of all time. When I read that book, I was working a nine to five in a cubicle and I, I had some resistance to the traditional nine to five lifestyle, but I couldn't really articulate why. So I read that book and within a few months of implementing everything from it, my business started to grow my side hustle on the side book thinkers. I started to build a remote business where I automated, delegated and eliminated low impact activities and really focused on bigger things, things that brought me energy. I started traveling the world. I've now been to over 25 different countries, sometimes for up to three months at a time. And it's all because of that book. I've gotten more out of my own life. So I really recommend that book, The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. Another one that was very transformative for me was The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. That book talks about the fact that small steps in the right direction over a long period of time will lead to exponential progression, right? That hockey stick curve. And that could be in our health, in our wealth, in our happiness, in our relationships, or our business. So it applies to every area of your life. What little 1% shifts uh, could you make that will lead to dramatic improvements a couple of years down the line? A book, when I'm talking about ROI, so if there's anybody in your audience today that's like, I appreciate this conversation so far, but I'm not much of a reader, check this out. I read a book called $100 Million Offers last year by Alex Hormozzi. So I, I invested $20 probably in the physical book and a few hours of my time to read it. And within a handful of months, I had generated an additional six figures in revenue for my small business, which is pretty substantial, just in a few months by implementing everything that I read in that book. Actually, not even everything, just a few things from that book. So a $20 book in a few hours of my time generated over $100,000 for me in a couple of months. Hard to beat that, right? So that's a really good book that I recommend as well. And uh, I'll throw one more out there, which is Blue Collar Cash. Ken Rusk has been on your podcast before. He's a really interesting guy. Uh, Ken's a little bit of a mentor for me. And so that book, Blue Collar Cash, talks about alternatives to college. It's not the best path for everyone. I'm a college graduate. Sounds like you are as well uh, with Michigan State. And so although I think that's one path, it's not the perfect path for everybody. And so it talks about, even if you went to college, it talks about some great stuff like building you know, a dream vision for your future and starting to execute against it. So really good book. And I recommend it to anybody that feels like college might not be the best option for them. Hmm. 
I love those. A couple of them I haven't heard about. So uh, I'm, I've heard about them, but they're not on my list. So I'm going to make sure I get those and implement them as well, because that's where the magic happens. And, you know, following that up, we got some book recommendations now. Do you have any secrets to improve that implementation and retention? So when they are reading those books... Oh, yeah, absolutely. And the book that I've written, Rise of the Reader, details tons of them. But I'll share one today. So let's say you are choosing to read Blue Collar Cash, which is a book that we just talked about. So many people will just dive into a book aimlessly, hoping that it's going to change their life. And I can't stand that. Because you need to live, you need to live a life of intention and you need to read with intention as well. And when I say intention, I really mean set a goal for each book that you read. So rather than just diving into blue collar cash, what are you looking to get out of it? Once you understand the book, read the cover, read the back, maybe read the inside flaps, understand a little bit more about what this book might be able to teach you, define a goal that follows the SMART goal framework. So when I'm reading this, I'm going to look for a goal that is specific, measurable, it's attainable, meaning it's a realistic goal, it's relevant to my life or business, so I'm emotionally connected to it, and it's time-bound. That's the SMART acronym. And so the goal might be something like this. Find and implement at least two strategies to improve uh, my vision for the future by the end of September. So now when I'm reading the book, I know I'm just looking for two strategies to implement related to vision. That's it. it it's much more manageable than just reading and hoping that it's going to change your life. And so I'll write that on the inside cover of the book and I'll review it each time I read a few more pages so that my brain can filter for those two strategies. I think sometimes when we read a book and we don't set a goal, we don't set an intention, anything is exciting to us. But when we do set an intention, we're more likely to take action, which obviously increases retention, but also increases the action piece, which is what we're really focused on. And you'll get more out of a book like this. So if you choose to, to read my book or any other book, and you're listening to this today, set an intention for each book so that you can get more from the reading. And I'll give one final example. I saw a cool video the other day uh, talking about the reticular activating system in our brain. And they said, last time you drove to the gym or to work, how many red cars did you see? And you're like, wow, I don't know. I mean, probably saw a few, but I can't really remember any in particular. And then it's like, okay, well, what if the next time you drive to the gym or to work, you were paid $100 for every red car that you saw? You'd probably remember a few more of them, right? And so if you're filtering for opportunity to take action within a book, you'll see more opportunity to take action. Otherwise, it's like that red car. You saw it, you didn't think about it, now you don't get the 100 bucks. Uh, so I, yeah, I just the home run point here is that when you're reading with intention, you're filtering for actions to implement. You're far more likely to find them. They're, they're always there. They're available to you. But if you're not intentionally reading, looking for them, you might blow right by and you might miss an opportunity to change something in your life for the better. That's so good. I was actually going to follow up with the reticular activating system, but you just you just did it as well, because that's exactly what you're doing with writing in the covers. You're like setting yourself up to look for those red cars as you're reading. And then the yes. more you look at that, they just continue to pop out and you'll be like, that's what I'm looking for. That's what I need. I'm going to implement that now. I'm going to highlight that. And so that's where the really magic comes from when we're intentional about what we do. And 
you know, that's just one tip right there that everyone listening can get your book after and start applying. So how can I get more out of my books? Like that's something they could write on your cover. How can I, you know, get more out of this information and start transforming my life? That's something that you can continuously look for in Nick's book coming up. And, you know, you guys are going to take that and then you're going to read new books and then you're going to keep on that compound effect, like you said earlier. So, so good. And, you know, this conversation today can really start the ripple effect that, you know, you hear this at just the right time, you pick up just the right book that leads you to the next book. And it's just this stepping stone path. And, you know, that's truly what has happened to me in my life. And I know it's very similar for you as well with just go listen to those podcasts on your commutes. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I I mean, I love the point that you made in reinforcing the RAS in our brains. It's such a cool tool. Uh, And if you if you choose not to implement these strategies, then you're choosing to get less from each book that you read moving forward. Like I'll set my stake in the ground for anybody that's listening. If you choose not to read Rise of the Reader, but you continue to read these other books, you're getting less out of them. There's an opportunity cost to reading without the right implementation strategies. And that's why I wrote the book is like, I wish I could go back to my younger self who literally read hundreds of books without intention, just fumbling or, you know, around not wasting my time, but not getting the most out of the time and money I was spending on these books. Like you want to do your best work. You want to live your life so that you don't end up with regrets. You want to experience more. You want to grow more. You want to improve your mindset. And so, yeah, that's what it's all about. Yeah. Yeah. I got two questions now coming out of that. We'll stick with um, the mindset since you just brought that up. What has been like some of those things that, you know, because with building a business, especially a successful business like yours, that comes with the challenges, the ups and downs, the unforeseen events. So how have you maintained that resilient mindset to get through and overcome those challenges and still thrive today? I'll mention two things. Number one, One of my qualms with the U.S. public education system is oftentimes we're taught that failure is a bad thing. We're taught to avoid failure. In school, you're penalized for not thinking the same way as the teacher. You're penalized for not getting an A, right? And so that creates some insecurity and some fear. And you try to avoid failure by stepping in line, you know, back in line, doing as you're told so that you can get that good grade. Uh, That's a bummer because what you realize as an entrepreneur, is that failure does lead to progress and failure is opportunity. And so now I run at failure full speed. And so I've realized it's just part of the process. I shouldn't spend any time thinking otherwise. I recognize it as part of the process, so it doesn't surprise me when it happens anymore. I've been able to be resilient because I don't view failure as a bad thing anymore. If anything, it's neutral or maybe even positive if we want to talk a little bit about stoicism. And so, yeah, I love failure and recognizing failure as opportunity and as just part of the process, not necessarily negative, but neutral. I think that's helped improve my resiliency and grit a little bit. So uh, that's one thing that I'll mention. The other thing that I wanted, well, we'll leave it there, you know, to kind of be brief. But I think that one's definitely helped me out quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. And you know, really every setback is just a stepping stone to success. And the thing that gets in the way is us. We end up stopping, giving up, saying this is too hard. We're not going to get there. And, you know, that stops our progress when we could literally be three inches away from gold. 
not even know it. But then, you know, we let that inner self talk, you know, get the best of us. So, you know, keep going and have that resilient mindset to know that, you know, you can keep going, you can get through this. And, you know, there's better things on the other side of that resistance that you're feeling today. So that's something. And then you mentioned stoicism, which is really, it's like a core pillar of my brand here. We got the the Greek meander, and that actually signifies stoicism. And that was one of the first, after I read Aubrey Marcus's book, I started going into meditations with Marcus Aurelius and Ryan Holiday, The Obstacle is the Way. And those really got me through those tough times. So I'm curious, how has stoicism impacted you in your life? I was first gifted a copy of The Daily Stoic way back in the day by my friend Alec. And I started reading The Daily Stoic on a daily basis. It I think the subtitle is something like 366 Meditations on Wisdom, Perseverance, and the Art of Living, featuring work by Marcus Aurelius, Epictetus, Seneca, some of these great Stoic philosophers. And every day I would read a paragraph, an excerpt from one of those books like Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. And then the authors, Ryan Holiday and Stephen Hanselman, would relate that passage to today. One of the cool things about Stoic philosophy is that you know, it started about 2,500 years ago. Most of it was written about 2,000 years ago, but it's all relevant to the lives that we're facing today. It's a very actionable philosophy. So how has it changed my life? I mean, I think the the three kind of core things for me, one is memento mori, which stands, you know, it's Latin for we're all going to die or something like that. And uh, it's that constant reminder to get the most out of life to experience everything that life has to offer. Life is finite. We're all going to die. So you might as well take advantage of it. You know, that whole YOLO thing, to me, it's not YOLO. You're only going to live once. So you might as well be stupid. It's like, you're only going to live once. So stop watching Netflix and scrolling mindlessly in social media and get more out of the life that we have. Number two is this concept of amor fati, which is the love of one's fate. And that's that idea that life is not happening to us, it's happening for us. External events that are out of our control, they're not negative. You know, the bad ones, natural disasters, things like that, they're neutral. Or if anything, positive. Can you look at them as positive? Can you look at everything as happening for us, obstacles as opportunities? And the third thing for me is this term ataraxia, which kind of translates to stillness. For me, it's the space between an input to my brain and my reaction to it. And a lot of the work that I do on myself, mindfulness, meditation practices, journaling, things like that, I'm trying to be more logical and less emotionally reactive, which got me in trouble a lot when I was younger. I'm trying to increase that processing time. So when something happens, I can process from a place of logic, understanding the hundreds of books that I've read, and then formulate a better response. And it it happens like that. But every tiny little millisecond counts, I think, in the world of business and podcasting and things like that. So those are three examples of how stoicism has improved my life. And in fact, I have memento mori, amor fati, and ataraxia all tattooed on my body. (laughs) That's how much I believe in reinforcing those principles. Yeah, you're like uh, Ryan Holiday's mentee over there. (laughs) Got all of them tattooed. (laughs) Ryan's been on, on my podcast before. He's a really cool dude. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, he's one of my like 
icons. <laughs> like I look up to everything that he does. And, you know, my brand and philosophy really stems from the stoicism and, you know, the practices that he distills and, you know, simplifies them to a modern day, like you've said. And, you know, really what it's helped me is like that that time between the the reacting and the responding and the difference between those two, because I was very sick. I was very angry, victim mindset. Everything was happening to me and not for me. And, you know, stoicism helped me, again, get that that distance in between every reaction that I had. And then they started to not turn into reactions and I started responding. And so that was this process that took me a couple of years, to be honest. But I had to keep on going through that. And that's what really has changed my life and, you know, got me to the place where I am today. So it's anyone out there listening who's not into stoicism or they've heard of it, but they haven't dove into it. Get Nick's book, learn how to learn and then go read it. So you guys can really get the most out of that content because it was written 2000 years ago. But again, it's so impactful for the society and the chaos even that uh, we go around with today. Yeah. And I, there's one other point here, which is that a lot of us think problems are unique to us, whatever we're facing. But when you read, you know, Marcus Aurelius meditations, his own personal journal, you realize that 2000 years ago or 1800 years ago, whatever, he was dealing with the same things that we think about today, the same insecurities, the same problems. And so although we think our problems are unique to us, the reality is that about 100 billion people have lived before us. Millions of them have documented their life experience and how they overcame obstacles within books. And thousands of those books probably help or probably would help you overcome the same problem you're dealing with today. So when you kind of lose a little bit of the ego, you realize you're not so special and that other people might be able to help you out a little bit. Uh, you can start to look for solutions. You go from a victim mindset to a hero mindset. You go from why is this happening to like, where is the solution? And the solution does exist. I've yet to find somebody, uh, I've yet to hear somebody present a problem to me that hasn't been able to be solved by reading personal development style books. Even something like Crohn's, uh, you can manage your mindset by reading Stoicism, for example, and look for opportunities to share and, and provide value and give back and create awareness, which in turn you go, oh, you know, instead of woe is me, it's like, hey, thankfully I can be somebody who can go out there and support and provide value to other people. Totally different mindset. You're looking for an opportunity inside of a setback. And it's so cool to think that way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's duality at its finest. Like no matter how bad things may seem, there's always that glimmer of hope and the good to come out of that. And that's up to us to look for that and find that. And you said something about, you know, Marcus Aurelius and Stoicism and how, you know, they're dealing with the same problems. And he talked about even getting the struggle to get out of bed. And it's so warm, but he goes, is this what I was meant to do to lay in my bed, sleep in? No. And so like that's showing that, you know, he he's the most powerful man in the world, but he still has the same struggles that, you know, we battle with today, which is which is really thought provoking when you think about it. So another thing that stoicism has taught me is journaling as well. And that helped me really get from that detachment of my emotions. So I'm curious to hear how journaling, um, what's the effect that has been on your life and what you get out of it? 
Well, the result of a lot of my journaling is the book that I've written, which is pretty cool because you start to lay the the, the foundation and the frameworks. You know, I've followed so many different journaling formats over the years. I started with morning pages, which is the idea of just handwriting three three full pages on a yellow legal pad per day and just pouring something out of your mind. Uh, so I did that for a while. Then I would move to like specific prompts. I actually did the daily stoic journal that that goes along with uh, the daily stoic for a long time. So every day you you fill in your uh, you answer a couple of questions and it has prompts and I've tons of other formats over the years. And I like to think of journaling as kind of warming up. You know, when you go to the gym and you warm up a little bit, you kind of stretch, you get loose, and then you exercise. I think journaling is kind of like a warm up for the mind. If you journal in the morning, you kind of warm up for podcast interviews or for the work that you're doing in any capacity. And so I think it's an important way to kind of get some of those feelings out onto paper, get some of those thoughts out, get the creative juices flowing, build some momentum, and then get into your day. That's so good. I've never heard of it that way, like as a warm up to like a mental warm up. But it's so true. Like we can really prime ourselves for the day. Like what I like to do to do lists, like here's five things that I need to accomplish today. I'll write those down. And that like gets me thinking that reticular activating system as well, because it's on the thought of my mind. And what opportunities can I capture or just things that I can take advantage of to get to those goals. So you know, it really just like does set that intention that we've talked about earlier for the rest of your day. And if you do that with your weeks, your months, you set goals in your journal, like it becomes very powerful. Yeah, absolutely. And I journaled about, you know, speaking of RAS again, I journaled about three things I was grateful for every day for years. And what happens is eventually, you know, you're writing it again the next morning. So you start to filter for things that you're grateful for throughout the day so that the next morning, you can journal about them with ease. And so I started to default to gratitude opportunities throughout my day. Like a Lamborghini zooms by and I'm not thinking, oh, I wish I had a Lamborghini. I'm thinking how grateful I am to have the car that I have because most people don't have a car. And so it's like, you know, through the repetition, which leads to retention and opportunity, and it becomes part of your subconscious, and then you filter for it, it all works together. And so that was another form of journaling that I thought was, you know, really useful. And again, I, I tattooed that on me, I tattooed the numbers one, two, and three, so that a 1000 times a day, subconsciously, when I'm wearing a short sleeve shirt, I can see the numbers one, two, and three on my wrist. Yeah. How often do those tattoos come in handy on a daily basis? I'm just curious. <laughs> oh, tons of times. I mean, there are definitely days now where I don't even see them, but they come they come in handy, I would say quite a bit. Like on this wrist, I have reality is negotiable tattooed. And every time I feel pressure to conform to society or, you know, default back to like a risk-free lifestyle or something like that. I look at the tattoo and I'm reminded of my purpose. So yeah, they, they come in handy a lot. Yeah, I can imagine. It's something that, you know, I've actually thought about doing myself, like with the Ryan Holiday inspiration. <laughs> yeah, he's like, do it. <laughs> awesome, man. Yeah, so there's, there's one more concept which I'll share, which is the idea of play bigger triggers. It's a concept that I first learned from Evan, Carmich Evan Carmichael. Environmental cues that encourage you to be a bolder version of yourself, to play a bigger game. And so 
yeah, it could be any environmental cue. It could be something on your desk. It could be the books in your environment. It could be the people that you're around, or it could be the tattoos that you have on your body. So I don't know how many times consciously I've seen reality is negotiable on my wrist over the last five years. I mean, a couple of times per day over five years, thousands of times. But what about subconsciously? You know, how often does it, does my mind catch the visual input, but not necessarily filter for it? I mean, hundreds of thousands of times. I don't know. It's literally tattooed on me. It's permanent. And so it just, it reinforces the person that I'm looking to become with certainty. I mean, once you see something hundreds of thousands of times, it's wired into your, into your being. And so, yeah, I, I think it's a cool way to kind of encourage bigger and better behavior. Tattoos don't always have to be in memory of something. They can be proactive and create a better version of yourself too. Yeah. That's so good because like, again, like subconsciously that gets like imprinted in your mind and throughout every situation when you're just like, just having a conversation with someone, it can like spark into your mind because like you've seen it so many times and then you can get a better outcome because you have these strong principles, you know, in hand, in your mental toolkit, as I like to say. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So Man, this conversation has been so good. We got to wrap it up though. So I got two more final questions and then um yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll go from there. So one of the things that, you know, with book thinkers and being around all of these great authors and world leaders even, I'm curious who have been some of those biggest direct or even indirect role models in the personal development space and, you know, what do you absorb from them? It's a great question. There's so many people that come to mind. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kevin Horsley, the author of a book titled Unlimited Memory, has been one of my biggest role models. Kevin grew up with some learning disabilities, couldn't read books, but decided to work on the subject of reading work on himself, uh, you know, on these learning opportunities. And he ended up winning a competition called the Everest of Memory where he memorized the first 10,000 digits of pi and he'd be asked about a random digit, like what's digit number 7,221 and he'd need to know it. And it's like, that's, that's what human potential looks like as far as our ability to learn. And he's taught me a lot of the retention strategies that I know how to translate information into action. He's a big inspiration for my book, but he's also helped me a lot in business. So Kevin Horsley, author of Unlimited Memory. He's, I think, probably had the biggest impact on me. And then, you know, some people that I've interviewed more recently, Alex Hormozzi, author of $100 million offers and leads. He's been a big inspiration. He, you know, he's in his mid thirties. I think he's, he's worth a couple hundred million dollars, but he writes at a third to fifth grade reading level, which I think is really cool. So he just dumbs these subjects down into the bare basics and they're so easy to understand and implement when he's able to do that. So I think when I, as I continue to write over the years, I aspire to be a little bit more like him, you know, write with simple language. And I'll mention one more. Let's see, who do I want to mention? Robert Greene. He's a good example. So I had Robert on the podcast. He's the best selling author of six or seven books now. And his most famous book, The 48 Laws of Power. It's actually the most banned book in the U.S. prison system because it's how dangerous it could be in the wrong hands. 
But when I had him on the podcast, what I thought was really interesting was that he he didn't necessarily write the book to give bad people power. He wrote the book so the vast majority of us could understand the power dynamics that world leaders are leveraging and that maybe our enemies, our bosses, you know, the bad people in our lives or whatever are leveraging so that we could be defensive, you know, be aware of these things so that we don't get taken advantage of. And I thought that was a really cool different perspective on the book. I mean, I've I've been able to see power dynamics at play, you know, visually almost as a result of that book. So that's been a really cool one. I'm I love Robert Greene because he's just, I don't know, he's like an OG in the personal development space and he's just so good at what he does and he cares so much about writing a great book. He spends years and thousands of hours prepping this stuff, reading tons of material. And it's like Again, it's a it's a form of mastery that I I don't know that we see a lot in today's youth like us. It's like <laughs> there aren't that many people willing to delay gratification for years just to improve the output of their work. Yeah, yeah, it's truly inspiring, and you know, every one of those guys are just world leaders and changers. So if you know for some whatever reason you guys aren't familiar with any of those three, like catch up to speed, consume their content, and you're going to learn a lot. And, you know, all three of those guys, not the first one, actually. So I'm going to, I'm going to definitely research myself on that, but um, definitely life-changing. So thank you for sharing all three of those. And I'm a huge advocate for role models. I know that like, I'm just like a sponge of life. So like I can learn something from everybody and I know that everyone else can do that same thing too. So thank you for sharing that. Got one last question before we wrap things up here. What's been the greatest lesson or piece of advice received that has made the biggest impact on you? Well, that the first guy that I mentioned, Kevin Horsley, he told me early in my journey, slow and steady wins the race. He said, don't jump off the pit, you know, don't jump off the cliff and try to build the parachute on the way down as far as entrepreneurship is concerned, because I was working this full-time job. Book Thinkers was starting to be a little bit more successful as a side hustle. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to go all in. And he's like, hey, hold up, buddy. He's like, if you don't build up an emergency fund and you don't build up a successful business before you jump, you'll operate from a place of scarcity. He said 95% of small businesses fail in the first five years because the founder jumps too soon and the business isn't successful enough to sort of support the lifestyle that they had previously. So he said, no matter how many times you read Aesop's fable, the tortoise and the hare, the tortoise always wins. Slow and steady wins the race. So I decided to keep my full-time job a little bit longer. And I'm so happy that I did because book thinkers as a business hit a bunch of roadblocks, continued to fail over and over and over again. I sunk tens of thousands of dollars of my own money, hundreds of hours of my time into failed products and services, essentially. And... uh but I continued to persist only because I had that full-time job backing me up. And I knew that slow and steady won the race. And now this is the business of my dreams. But again, I wouldn't be here talking to you right now as an author or business owner if I had jumped too soon. I would have run out of money and I would have reverted back to a full-time job, giving up on my entrepreneurship dreams, I think. So uh, shout out Kevin for giving me that piece of advice. It always takes longer than you think it's going to. There's no such thing as overnight success. You have to put in the work. And that book that I mentioned earlier, The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy, reinforces that 
really well as well. So if anybody, uh, I mean, it, it stinks to hear that it takes longer than you think it's going to, but it, it's always happened like that for me. So if you want to be one of the 5% that succeeds, slow and steady. Yeah. And it's, it's more fulfilling when you put in the work and like, it takes that time because like that, that's something that you did. And, you know, like have pride in your work as well. Like, don't just like go through it trying to get that outcome because life is about the journey. When we get to that top mountain, there's always going to be a new mountain, a new accomplishment that we want. So, you know, really enjoying that process, taking pride in your work, like that, that's where it is, man. (laughs) Love it. I agree. Awesome. So we mentioned the book here, but let's mention it one more time. Rise of the Reader. I'm going to put that in the show notes below so our listeners can get a copy. Let us know what else you have going on or anything that you're looking forward to so we can get involved. Yeah, if anybody wants a custom book recommendation from me, it's one of my favorite things to do. So go to Instagram, check out Book Thinkers. You can link that below too. Sound, uh, it's spelled just like it sounds. And Tell me a problem that you're facing. Tell me about a skill that you want to improve and I'll make a book recommendation and even act as your accountability buddy. Follow up a few months later, see if you've read the book. So like I said, that's one of my favorite things to do. And then from there, you can check out everything else that Book Thinkers does. Uh, Links to the book, everything is right there on Instagram. Awesome. Yeah, I've never had someone offer book recommendations. So that's perfect. So definitely reach out to Nick. I'll put your personal Instagram as well. And um, yeah, get in touch with them, guys. Get in touch with book thinkers. Check out the platform. There's tons of books, tons of amazing authors that you can connect with. So it's an amazing thing. So Nick, thank you so much for sharing your insights with us today. You are empowering future generations with tools to learn and take action to transform their lives and the world at large. You lead by example with your willingness to give back and do the right thing. And humanity is a better and brighter place because of you. Thank you so much for impacting us today. What an outro. I've got to have you like intro and outro outro me on stages. Uh, That would be a lot of fun. (laughs) Thank you, Dan. I appreciate the conversation today. Yeah, thank you, man. Are you ready to take charge of your health and transform your life? Well, get ready because we have the solution for you. Introducing the Nova Fusion 21-Day Wellness and Resilience Challenge. The ultimate program designed to stack massive momentum, achieve peak performance, and spark your transformation. In just 21 days, you can experience a total wellness revolution. Our challenge is jam-packed with daily inspiration, education, downloadable resources, and exciting challenges to keep you fired up and on track. But that's not all. When you join the challenge, you'll also become a member of our exclusive Nova Fusion family. Together, we'll support and uplift one another as we continue to grow and thrive. Unlock the secrets of the world's best wellness and resilience practices to stay mentally and physically fit for a lifetime. From renewing healing practices to transformative high-performance techniques, we've got you covered. And here's something that sets us apart. I believe in these practices so much that I'm offering a money back guarantee. That's right, if you don't see results, you can get your money back 
so you have absolutely nothing to lose but everything to gain. So what are you waiting for? Take advantage of this limited time opportunity right now. Go to novafusion.co slash challenge to sign up and embark on the journey of a lifetime. Let's spark your transformation together. I can't wait to see you on the other side.